Good morning, Minecrafters, and welcome to Season 2, and this is actually Episode 49 since the beginning, and today we're going to talk about uh, living deliberately. This is actually one of my favorite topics, and you can guess I have lots of favorites, even though I suppose the word favorite kind of alludes to one thing, but I'm just, I get excited about a lot of things, and because I value my life minutes so much the living deliberately part is just so important because by living deliberately and spending our life minutes as if they were cash, we end up with a lot more life, a lot more memories, just a lot more enrichment and pizzazz all the way around. Also, because my you know, I earned a doctorate in cognitive psychology, of course, I just get beyond excited talking about you know, the topics of memory and attention and decision-making and problem-solving and such like that. And the thing is, Minecrafters, we are walking around, as you know, making decisions all day, every day. Here's the difference, though, okay? Some of those are active where we are, you know, and that's about intention. We're actively choosing. It might be whether we want a hamburger or a cheeseburger or a dog, right? We're actively making decisions. And I would have to say, I would guess that probably most of these are passive, which means deci decisions are going to get made every day for us. Although when they're, when they're passive, we're not in the driver's seat. It means we've slid over into the passenger seat, maybe the back seat, or perhaps even the trunk. And, you know, I think a lot of people are not aware that they're making decisions pas uh, passively. They often just chalk this up to luck or fate or, you know, so somebody else's fault or problem or things like that. When in reality, much of this is due to us, our own intention or lack thereof to kind of, you know, steer our choice making in a very conscious direction. And, you know, this also comes down to something, you know, like a super basic concept, you know, that, which is the difference between merely surviving and actually living and this is just a big guess based on no fact whatsoever. It just appears to me just out in the world that I would say the majority of people out there are merely surviving instead of, you know, grabbing life and, and living. I'm thinking like Robin Williams, one of my all-time favorites in Dead Poet Society, you know, the famous Carpe Diem, you know, uh, from that movie, you know, uh, Se Seize the Day, right? I think most people actually are not. I mean, just see, it seems that way. Just walking out in the world, they, they have this glazed look in this, you know, <clears throat> durable on crack pace walking around. And there's a big, big difference between surviving and living. You know, anybody can like just, just basically just survive, right? Living is a whole, whole different level of existence. You know, actually, I was just having a conversation with my cog cognitive psych students yesterday because we're, we're we're doing memory right now, which which is a big topic in cognitive psychology. So it takes up takes us a couple of weeks, and you know, the big talk is about you know keeping your working memory as you know empty and clear and efficient as possible, right? Because the working memory kind of metaphorically, you know, looks like a bicycle wheel. It doesn't I mean, it's a concept? Obviously, it isn't you know. It's a concept. So, so it's a bicycle wheel kind, and it kind of, you know, spins around freely and fluidly deciding what makes it into long-term memory and what does not. And it's a good thing for the working memory because if we remembered every little thing in our day, like somebody annoyingly snapping gum or 
tapping a pencil, we stepped on something sticky on the floor and bare feet or whatever. If we hung on to every single memory, our heads would blow off. So thankfully, the working memory, kind of like a Google search engine, only better, decides what we keep and what we toss. And so obviously these meaningful memories when somebody stops by the house and, you know, birthdays and camping trips and all the, you know, time with partners and time with the golden retriever and just, you know, um, every, vacations, everything you can think of, only when we attenuate to it, fully attenuate to it, does that make it into our long-term memory bank. So, you know, this fits beautifully with our discussion on living deliberately because when we're not doing this, which would be just kind of zoned out on autopilot, we are, we're living passively, very, very passively, and our working memories are full of thought chatter, just monkey mind thoughts that are based in zero fact and all kinds of preoccupations and worry and who knows what. And it's like, it's like throwing a wrench in a moving bicycle wheel. So whatever is going on outside of us is, as far as memory goes, is coming in as fragments, if at all, and they're not making it to long-term memory. So if they're not making it to long-term memory, most people would say long-term memory is who we are, right? That's how they get you know, it's absolutely devastating when somebody has, you know, Alzheimer's or suffers some kind of severe traumatic brain injury where, where their long-term memory in the hippocampi is and the prefrontal cortex are, are, are you know, lost or, or worse, you know, completely obliterated sometimes because anybody who's had that experience with a, a loved one who suffered from that horrible disease, Alzheimer's, knows that you really lose them twice because they don't, you know, they very quickly stop, stop remembering, eventually stop remembering who they are and who we are. And long-term memory is really everything when we come to think about it. And so by keeping, you know, our working memory free, which means living in the moment mindfully with intention, we can then make choices deliberately live deliberately so this isn't just whether it's a hot dog or a you know shrimp scampi tofu vegetarian vegan delight or anything like that obviously all the other choices with children and partners and grandparents and and traveling and wonderful conversations we we are making choices every day we're also making choices passively again to spend time with people we don't care about that much or and I'm not saying that in a in necessarily I don't mean to be insensitive just sometimes people are just rambling people we don't know people we might not see for another 10 years and they're not saying anything you know there went 25 minutes you know down the rabbit hole and never getting back again that kind of thing and also not valuing our gold you know our, the diamonds in our life like we should you know meanwhile you know last we checked this is not a dress rehearsal this is the big game. And like any other game, you know, it comes to a point when, you know, game over. And this is why it is so important to spend our life minutes as if they were cash. And that's the only kind of analogy I can come up with because there isn't anything even close to as valuable as our life minutes. So like I tell my students, picture yourself with a $100 bill in your hands. Would you just you know, leave that laying around or walk around with it in between your fingers or, you know, light a match to it or something. And they all look at me with this glaze and shake their heads side to side. No, well, of course not. And again, that's not even something we can even relate to our valuable, very precious life. And if we look back and think of the times 
that we're just wasted. And I'm not talking about doing things we don't want to do. That's adult world. That's part of life and curveballs happen. That's how we grow and change. We're not talking about that. We're talking about just passively letting valuable minutes to slip through our fingertips, valuable minutes just slipping through our fingertips, just doing things that don't matter to us. And this, of course, you know, brings me to one of the most famous thinkers and, and authors and, uh, you know, ever, Henry David Thoreau. I think most people or many, many people have read, you know, Walden and, and how, how Thoreau went into the woods and, you know, to kind of figure things out. And, of course, he says, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when it came to die, discover that I had not lived. And, you know, this also has me thinking about a, um, a video clip that I show to my Minecrafters with, I think it's CNN, with John Kabat-Zinn and Anderson Cooper. I obviously know I'm a big uh, JKZ fan, and I also really like like Anderson Cooper. And in there, well, his face is is absolutely hysterical when uh, they're at a retreat, and, they, and John Kabat-Zinn sends around a little basket to um, send it and everybody puts their cell phones in there or tablets or any technology in there because they're being taken away for the weekend. And, and Anderson Cooper's face is, is priceless. He's just in his glaze, like, no, no, not my phone. And, and at the very end of it, he's has electrodes on and he's since learned how to be mindful and to drop in as John Kabat-Zinn says, and the, the narrator is asking him, the man putting on his electrodes is talking to him. And he's asking him about how much of the day is he actually present or was he before he learned this? And he said, not all day. I'm just, he said, I don't feel like, like I'm present the high majority of the day, not at all. And then the, the gentleman asks him, and what's that like? And Anderson Cooper says, you know, exhausting. And then the man, the man doing the electrodes says, well, what do you think that's like for society? You know, we've kind of created this societal exhaustion. Again, I like Anderson Cooper. Uh, this is, he was very brave, you know, to, to kind of be so honest, because I think that represents what many of us feel like we're walking around, like, you know, overstimulated, overwhelmed zombies, not in the moment. And, and here's the thing, if we're not in the moment, we're not living because this minute right now is we're having this talk on a podcast is all we have. This is it. You know, literally, as, as I'm speaking right now, every second that goes by is behind me. And only the second I'm in is, you know, am I truly living? So I'm, I'm kind of picturing a speedboat right now for some reason. You know, the boat, a little speedboat has that wake behind it. So, you know, at a certain point in life, I'm a fabulous 56. So there's, there's much less lake or ocean in front of me than there is behind me. And lakes are a little easier to use because it's not as vast, right? Uh, there's, there's, you know, the, there's a bigger wake behind me and less lake in front of me, let's say. And it's just a, it's a good visual. And think of it more positively. It's just encouraging to be in this moment right now, just immersed. And also time slows down when we do this. At least I do. It feels, it feels like that for me. On the beach or something, it seems like just my afternoon just got longer. Also, uh, I was reading a reflection by by John Garvin's on the work of Henry David Thoreau and this whole idea of living de deliberately. And he talks about this being a live thing. Like we said, you know, like anyone can be alive. It's, it's, it's a whole, the whole different level to actually live. And he says, um, John Garvin's as nearly anyone will agree, being alive is a good thing. 
The unfortunate thing is that while most people are alive, very few people are living. As I'm, I 100% agree with that. So John says they wake up every morning and go through life on autopilot, never stopping to ask themselves, is this what I really want? Instead, they move forward in the same direction as everyone else, standing in the same lines, checking the same boxes, living you know, life in the same state of default. Boy, that's well said. Same state of default. Sure, it's safe. Yes, it's easy. But is that what life is all about? Safe and easy? There has to be something more, right? Fortunately for us, there is. You know, and this comes back to Thoreau's very, very famous quote there about, you know, discovering that he really hadn't lived, you know, or actually was avoiding discovering that, right? And I think sadly, it takes that for a lot of people. It's that heart attack or that, you know, huge job loss or some kind, you know, it takes some of these big milestone things to smack us into reality that this moment, you know, with the child, with the partner in front of the fireplace, with the golden retriever, the walk in the woods, you know, the, the uh, exciting conversation at work over lunch, an exciting workshop you went to, an exciting anything, um, authentic and powerful. This, you know, this is it. This is the big game right here. You know, so we talked about to really truly live involves intention. And it also involves, you know, really searching within ourselves, almost like an archaeological dig to find what really makes our hearts sing? I mean, what really what really speaks to us? The inner voice. What is our passion? Our true desire? What do we really, you know, want out of the, of this of this trip, this excursion on this beautiful planet? You know, what do we really what do we really want to leave with? And then um, John John Garvin talks about living requires that you use that passion to inspire life and the living of it. Living means digging deep, taking risks, and making bold moves, moves that most people would call crazy, stupid, or risky. But it doesn't matter. In the end, we're all dead. And then uh, he includes a, a quote here by um, the late Steve Jobs, which uh, Steve Jobs said, remembering that you were going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. Also well said. I mean, in the end, what difference does any of it make? You know, and Loretta LaRoche is um, a funny comedian I've talked about before. And, you know, she makes light of all this stress. She, she's, a, she's a comedian that talks about stress. And she says, you know, we only have so many minutes until we die. True for all of us. We may as well have fun. What are you saving it up for? Just just have fun as much as you can. Because obviously, you know, curveballs happen. Life happens. Have as much fun as we can, as much joy as we can right now. You know, of course, in no way am I talking about being, you know, reckless and irresponsible, you know, living for the moment in the, in the sense that we just, you know, spend every cent we have recklessly. And it's actually, it's the opposite of that. It's living authentically. And actually, the money thing is a good example because how we spend our money has a whole lot to do with how we value ourselves. So uh, living deliberately also has to do with spending deliberately. So it's actually the opposite of reckless. We want to, you know, take risks in a healthy way as far as following our passion, you know, maybe starting that business or 
taking taking that new art class or whatever like that, letting our authentic self out to play, following our following and chasing down and living in our passion. That's what we're talking about. And then John Garvin actually ties this into his uh, little reflection here, where he talks about living deliberately it has to do with saying moderation because Thoreau, I I think you know the general public, including myself, until I read this. Um, you know, thought the throw just disappeared like a mountain man and that was it. And we didn't see him again. And that's apparently not true. He did take frequent trips away from the woods, mostly to visit his parents. And that's still yet another push for positive psychology and well-being and life satisfaction, all of it, because we know for a fact that it's our relationships with the closest people to, to us, our positive relationships that are, that are the number one predictor of longevity and overall well-being. We know that to be true. John Garvin's talks about living deliberately, about meaning um, that it's about living strategically. I love the word. Actually makes me think of Stratego as a little kid and plotting those moves very carefully or a chess game, you know, taking some minutes to really kind of make, make the best move or, or carefully mapped out plans for a football game. Strategy means intentional, intentional. And he says, all it is all about the power of intention. He says, uh, John Garvin says, a person 100% oriented toward being alive follows the most frequently traveled path. They make no decisions and simply follows, follow orders given. They are a human machine. They lack intention. He says, by contrast, a person 100% oriented towards living follows no path. They make decisions based on their current feelings and have no regard for the future or the consequences of their actions. They're the ultimate free spirit and lack direction. And he says, there is, however, another option to live deliberately. He says, living deliberately means that you follow a path, but you designed it yourself. I love this. I love this. You state where you want to go and then you figure out come up with and create, I love where create a strategy to get there. This is about creating the life you want to live. We are the own, we are, we are our own um, life designers where we are writing our own script here, painting our own canvas, all that good stuff. And then John Garvin says at the same time, you welcome change and understand the importance of striking while the iron is hot. Yeah. Okay. So here's, you know, a quick recap because living deliberately is honestly really and truly the only way to live. And uh, so that begins with awareness. Obviously we have brought the awareness piece up for many different topics and that's because without awareness, you know, none of this is happening, right? Because we can't do what we don't know. So what we want to start to do is catch ourselves Catch ourselves when on autopilot. Have a conversation with yourself. Oh, I'm zoning out. Pull it back in. And then a big, nice, deep breath. And even if you're mindful for a mere, you know, five seconds, right? That's five seconds more than we may have been mindful before. Awareness. Catch ourselves on autopilot. Breathe deeply and sink into the present moment. And and a second one is realize that we are not just being tossed around by the universe. It might be easier to think that way because that's I think it's easier to give up, you know, sometimes to give up agency and just chalk it up to whatever. That's just 
really not the truth. I mean, the, the, the truth is the universe will kind of get out of our way because intention is so, so powerful. And I'm thinking of, you know, we see the little kids digging in the, uh, in the sand by the beach way down close. When they start to dig the sand, you know, down their clothes, what happens? The ocean fills it in, you know, or same thing like when you watch a river and there's a big rock, it, it yields to that rock. So it's kind of like when we have, you know, an intention, the universe will yield to that for sure. The power of intention is just so huge. I think I'm actually going to do another podcast solely on that because it's so big. Our intentions attract people to us and also can repel people and situations and opportunities away from us. And obviously that can be either positive or negative because it's a good thing to repel the toxics, which um, will happen once, you know, we, we, we get a deeper love and acceptance of ourselves. The authenticity becomes so strong and so powerful it kind of becomes its own genuine force field against that negative energy and toxicity. They can't really touch us. We don't even have to notice them anymore. They just, they can't touch us. We're too real and genuine. And there's so much authentic power there. Our intentions also create our life, our life events and circumstances. You know, you hear what you put out there, you know, it's kind of a cliche, what they put out there. Well, that's true in a positive or negative sense. And our intentions really truly create our life events Again, because they bring the people into our lives. They bring, they open the door for opportunities in our lives. And it's important to realize, again, that we're not just like those little fluffy dandelions blowing around in the wind in the, in the summertime. We are our own playwrights. We are writing our own script that is our life. We, we are life architects, if you will. And I'm actually thinking of uh, that best friend I frequently talk about from childhood because she and I you know, talk every couple of weeks. And this is a lot of our conversation. And of course, families come up and things like that. And, and, you know, she might say, I say, well, why, why didn't you go? Or what, what did you want to do on the holidays? And she didn't want to, someone, someone, so-and-so was having, you know, a gathering that was a distant cousin, something like that. And, you know, she said, well, you know, it's no offense. It just really wasn't worthy of my life minutes. And that's okay. You know, there went, you know, three hours. I'll never get back at back again. And, you know, she'll want that three hours of 55 back at some point. And again, it's not to offend and no one even knows, right? She just opted not to go and went for a snowshoe out in the woods. I mean, yeah. Uh, So it's really, really important to realize that we're not getting these back. Um, You know, there's less time in front of us for some of us than behind us. And even so, if you're, if you're 25, you know, good for you that you figured this out now. Fantastic. It's so important that we aren't just lemmings, you know, caught up in this pace of life. And I'm thinking as much as I love New York, my, my, my city, I love New York. I'm thinking of like Rockefeller Center in the holidays, which is gorgeous. The windows and the tree and everything. It's, it's gorgeous. I'm also thinking of the pace of the sidewalk. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, go along or die kind of thing. Cause it's such a fast momentum. And we can still remember, we can, again, I love New York. We can step out of that current though. We can step out of the current of life and do our own thing. We don't want to be lemmings. We want to find our own authentic pace. We really and truly want to find our own pace. We want to create our own life design and to live at the level of stimulation we also uh, feel comfortable with rather than, you know, allowing, you know, the external world to, control that and have us, you know, feeling overwhelmed all the time, we can put up boundaries and, you know, within our life design, within, 
you know, uh, creating that life architecture like we're talking about and put some boundaries up along around that. And again, life design and life path, life direction, all up to us. And this also reminds me of one of my favorite poets, especially being in Vermont, Robert Frost, his famous quote, two roads diverged in a wood and I took the road less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. And this is a, a, a natural, lovely, natural place to, to stop. And so with that, I will say, spend your life minutes as if they were cash. Absolutely. And I will say, thank you all for listening across this wonderful country of the United States and wonderful countries across the whole world. And this is Kimberly Quinn signing off. Have a mindful day. <laughs>